Hello, welcome to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions. We are the creators of the Ultimate Patient Experience Blueprint. We help our clients attract, acquire, engage, and retain more patients, leading to higher levels of patient satisfaction and ultimately better clinical outcomes. Anyways, what do we have on the docket this week? This week, we are going to be diving back into the world of technology and platforms, but, ha- but tackling it from a different, a different angle. So we've talked a little bit in past episodes about implementing uh, platforms and communication strategies and, and technological advancements in order to improve clinical outcomes. And we've talked about it in the sense of kind of making healthcare more accessible. That's part of it is accessible. And then the other part is is the data. How do we use the data? How do we gather data? How do we leverage that data to improve clinical outcomes along the spectrum? You know, a couple episodes ago, we had Matt from Bardavon on, and he was talking about how he used, and they're using their, <clears throat> their BNOS platform at Bardavon to gather a bunch of data from clinical from different clinics across the country using that data as it relates to clinical outcomes and then trying to find a way to amplify those bright spots if you were of patients who got better in less amount of time than was expected or just lower than average and how do we take that data and leverage it to improve the outcomes across the entire system so we've talked about that a little bit we've talked about using artificial intelligence and the like to aid in assessment, you know, the folks with Tracer have some of that going on where they have a camera looking at the, at the patient and the patient moves through a series of movements and it's analyzing their, their biomechanical movement and giving data for the clinician to make those decisions about what exercise to implement, what exercise to cut out, what muscles to focus on, et cetera. But we haven't really had a conversation about how clinicians or private practices or providers, if you would, can leverage technology in a way to both improve access for patients needing services, but also to improve the experience uh, and decrease the barriers, if you would, to people uh, getting on board to a treatment program. So, um, we're going to talk a little bit about that today with with the folks from City PT. So we're interviewing this week Andrew Shirk, who is the CEO and founder, and then Robin Hursley, who's the the physical therapist, is kind of helping him on the clinical side. So Andrew Shirk is a software engineer by trade, and he's an application architect who lives up in Durham, North Carolina. He's the founder and CEO of City PT, which is a leader in frontline care for musculoskeletal health. 
and improving the patient experience through technology, engagement, and access. He's also the founder of Magneta Health, which designs and develops software applications to improve the patient and provider experience. Before founding CityPT and Magneta, Andrew managed clinical trials and developed software systems for cancer research and patient-reported outcomes at the UNC Lineberger Comprehensive Cancer Center in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So this is a great interview because it's a guy that's, that's not a clinician by trade, um, but kind of has been on the ancillary and the support tech side of healthcare for a while. And then as you'll hear in the interview, he had an experience of physical therapy and decided that he really wanted to dedicate some time and energy into, into helping improve access specifically for, for rehabilitation services. So listen to that, uh, listen for that, for that story here in a minute. And then we've also got Ryan, a uh, Robin Hursley on the show. She holds a doctorate in physical therapy from East Carolina University, as well as a BS in biology and chemistry from the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. She is board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist through the APTA, or the American Physical Therapy Association, and Robin's practice is currently focused on orthopedics, pre-postpartum care, pre-post-surgical care, sports therapy, injury prevention, wellness training, falls prevention, trigger point dry needling, and neuromuscular rehabilitation. So you can obviously tell she, as a clinician, she's definitely well-versed, well-rounded, and has a lot of skills. And what makes these two uh, such an interesting uh, folks to have on the show and have a conversation is you've got really what's happening is Andrew's a software engineer. He's developing this platform. He's trying to use it both to increase access but improve clinical outcomes in the long run for patients seeking out physical therapy services. Um, but obviously, he's, he's not a clinician. He's, he's an engineer, a software engineer. So he pulled in Robin, and Robin's able to kind of provide that clinical background that he needs. Um, and she's able to, at the ground level, as, we're, as he's developing this, this software um, and this platform, really guide it in a way from a clinician standpoint that she knows very much needs to be there from a, a user um, usability from the experience from both the clinician documenting as well as what needs to be in there from uh, for a clinical importance and significance and reimbursement and all that sort of thing, as well as what's important for the patient. So we talked a lot about um, developing the software, what were this platform, what's it going to look like, how, how does it work, how do patients access services through the platform. One of the things that, that Andrew talks about a little bit and which I very much uh, liked hearing him talk about was the need for transparency in healthcare. So part of the platform that CityPT has developed is a dashboard that patients can log into and see their progress uh, week by week or appointment by appointment, however they, they end up being scheduled and see their progress towards their goal in a very visually appealing way that makes it apparent, okay, I'm making progress, I'm not making progress. I think even the most the most conscientious clinicians, they want to provide that data to their patients. They want to give them the, the insight that they're improving or that they're not improving. But oftentimes, the way we're left to do that is through words. I mean, if you're doing a reassessment, you can take some measurements, you can show the patient you know, the objective data that's improving, but it's very hard to do it on an appointment by appointment basis, especially if the patient has a question after the fact, after they leave your clinic and they're off. So 
the ability for the the patient to then log into this portal afterwards and then check out where they're where they were before where they're at now kind of see their progress is really really appealing it falls right in line with one of our commitments in the better outcomes manifesto which is uh, transparency embracing transparency to through health clear so hopefully you enjoy this conversation with robin and andrew about city pt and uh, without further ado, here they are talking about uh, CityPT and the platform they developed. Well, hey, Andrew and Robin, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. Thanks for having uh, us on, Ravi. Awesome. Yeah, I'm doing well as well. And I wanted to say thank you so much for having us. And since Andrew told me that we were going to be guests on your podcast, I've become a listener and I really appreciate oh, cool you being yeah, I appreciate you bringing so many different minds together to discuss ways to help healthcare evolve. Yeah, thanks for that. So we'll start with um, maybe with Andrew, then move on to Rob and tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and what brought you to do what you're doing with CityPT. Yeah, it, it, it all kind of started one morning uh, in April of 2019. I, I woke up and two of my fingers were mostly numb. And by the next day, a big part of my hand was also numb. And, you know, I'm a software engineer. Uh, so this was a pretty terrifying thing to experience since we spend all day long typing weird character combinations. Yeah. And uh, th these things are hard to automate with voice technology. So, you know, I went to orthopedic urgent care and was diagnosed with an ulnar nerve issue. And they put me in a sling and they told me to keep my elbow slightly bent um, and keep it still for two weeks. So I'm pretty sure that the two of you know that this wasn't the greatest advice in the world. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> cringing right now. Yeah. <laughs> me too. <laughs> um, so to, to make a long story short, things were rapidly getting worse and I, I kept experiencing obstacles and, and delays in getting the care that I, I thought I needed. Things just didn't, didn't feel right. And then I started to lose uh, function in other parts of my body. Um, I, I suddenly lost normal use of my uh, a shoulder in my other arm. And I thought maybe I tore my rotator cuff. And of course I'm Googling like crazy, trying to figure <laughs> this out on my own. <laughs> uh, so now I've got big problems in both arms. And I thought I was really screwed at that point. So it, it was then I knew I needed to try something else. So I, I sought uh, PT on my own uh expecting a massage of some sort I, I really wasn't sure i just i knew that that i needed some other uh type of care and none of my physicians ever once suggested i go to uh pt so i i was really lucky because i found a great therapist right off the bat and uh he was empathetic and and creative really creative i, I regard him as an artist and uh he was a good educator and he helped me reduce my pain. Um, he helped me regain some function in my shoulder. And I did end up having surgery on my older nerve. Uh, and he helped, he helped me recover from all that too. So I think one day it just dawned on me how uh, undervalued and underutilized physical therapy and, and physical therapists are in this country. Um, so it's really strange in that I feel like my whole life and career has kind of converged upon this really ambitious project to not only eliminate all the hoops that patients ordinarily have to uh, jump through 
and, and getting help with their pain, but also to provide clinicians with like a dedicated software engineering team and, and dedicated technical expertise uh, to, to support them. And uh, particularly now in this exciting new uh, digital health boom we're entering. So here we are. Yeah. And we'll dive a little bit more into the ins and outs of that in a minute. But Robin, why don't you tell us your story as a clinician, your physical therapist, um, kind of where you started, where you're at, kind of what brings you to where we are now. And we'll, we'll kind of dive into CityPT after that. Yeah, sure. So a little bit about me. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of talking about myself, but since you <laughs> asked, I graduated from East Carolina University in 2014 with a doctorate in physical therapy. And uh, since then, I've been working in a variety of different settings, but I've spent most of my career in outpatient therapy and then most recently telehealth. And like many clinicians, I was really just thrown into telehealth due to COVID and had to adapt and really figure out what I was doing in a whole new space very, very quickly. And I returned to in-clinic care in May of 2020, but I actually still had patients that chose and preferred telehealth. So this sparked me to begin really researching different digital health companies to see how other people were merging technology with healthcare. And then actually through LinkedIn, Andrew found me and requested a meeting. So we talked about his personal experience, um, his story, his expertise in software development and the ideas for CityPT. And from there, I saw this amazing opportunity for collaboration to actually help build a digital health platform that I could shape with him to be beneficial for both clinicians and patients. Yeah, exciting, yes. Yeah. So Andrew, we've kind of talked a little bit about it, CityPT and this platform. Um, yeah. What is CityPT? And kind of what is your your vision for it? And what makes a software guy think that um, what makes you wake up one day and say, I'm going to start a, a, you know, a company that's going to provide healthcare services to folks? Well, uh, as a as an engineer and designer, um, I have kind of a natural tendency to think in systems, which means I, I kind of create these mental models um, of various modern life situations on my head kind of on the fly uh such as like being a patient you know within the context of a hospital uh system i can kind of imagine the different moving parts and and how they integrate and uh interface so as a result i i can also quickly spot problems and inefficiencies in the system um i'm a programmer so uh uh or we call software engineer so and i'm I'm a natural problem solver, I think. Um, so when I come up with ideas to resolve the inefficiencies that I observe, I'm also inclined to implement them so that everyone can benefit. Uh, I think everybody knows that the US healthcare system is incredibly inefficient. And the problem, I think, is that the root causes extend far beyond the healthcare system into other aspects of our society. And it's going to require an extended uh, multi-pronged effort spanning probably multiple generations to fully implement these uh, solutions. Um, whereas, on the other hand, I think the problems in PT are somewhat contained and solvable, at least in my lifetime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't originally to, to intend to do all this alone. I didn't intend to be a solopreneur, so to speak, which is why you know I'm so thankful to have the help of people like Robin. 
Um, at the beginning, I tried to partner with multiple PTs on these ideas, but um, there was nothing there and, and I was largely ignored or they were happy maintaining the status quo. So I, I think as a result of COVID, um, especially, the, I think there's a tsunami of change headed to PT that I, many therapists just don't see coming. Um, Robin does and kudos to her, um, but I think you, know, you see laws being rewritten, uh, technologies that sometimes further push PTs into the periphery. Yeah. They're, they're achieving commercial success and there's a ton of money behind them pouring into this area right now. And I, I think the winners will drive the future of PT. And uh, I really want uh, City PT to do something about uh, championing and fully utilizing the human therapist. So that's that's kind of the unique vision of City PT is to offer the consumer a proven treatment option that leverages technology, but still um, really allows the therapist to do what they do best. Um, so. In this way, we're kind of offering clinicians a, a low cost route out of the, the broken healthcare system and into what's at least starting off as a cash practice that is well positioned for uh, the future of PT. Yeah. And Robin, as a clinician, kind of what, what attracted you to City PT and to the idea of it? I think you've alluded to it that you were researching some companies. What, what is it that kind of stood out to you and said, oh, I kind of want to be involved in something like this? Yeah, so what drew me to City PT was hearing Andrew's true passion to create this seamless experience for patients and for therapists with his own custom technology. And I've, I've really enjoyed how Andrew looks to the City PT therapist to actually meld his platform ideas with our clinical knowledge to then make a patient first experience. And I didn't really see anything else like that. And I think the platform is just so well merged with technology and our different strengths. And uh, personally, I've worked with several different EMR systems and sent these support tickets to customer support to just try to make some of my suggestions for basic efficiency improvements from a clinician standpoint happen. And, and I find that it'll be like six months <laughs> and then, then it shows up or it's like my suggestions are logged into this mystery box and they disappear. And Andrew actually hears my input and we work together to figure out what makes the most sense on the software and clinical side to make patients happy. And then with CityPT, I've had this opportunity to collaborate with other clinicians and even dabble in a more non-clinical role, which has been fun and really different for me. And with the cash-based hybrid model, there's much more schedule flexibility, there's less documentation burden, um, compliance regulation, and really an opportunity to learn more about innovative technologies, which are definitely coming. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll dive a little bit more into that hybrid care model here in a minute. So Andrew, we've talked about the platform a little bit. We've talked about CityPT. It seems like from what you're telling me and what, what you see in the industry, you're going to be leveraging some sort of technology to you know create a seamless patient experience. How are you planning on doing that? What is that going to look like? Yeah. My, my software vision for CityPT is to uh, really focus on building custom user interfaces um, that, that really you know, do what we need to do for us very well, that implement our business processes very well. And we wanna leverage our own fully custom software services as well as software services that are popping up all over 
the public internet. So for a little bit of um, larger context here, the, the healthcare industry, I think generally lags other industry about 10 years, by about 10 years when it comes to uh, the adoption of patient engagement, <laughs> sorry. I said More that's generous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think these words. Yeah. Um, so, but I think this is one of the reasons why the whole industry was caught, you know, flat-footed when the pandemic hit. Um, so, much of the software, I think, in PT uh, and, and websites, you know, they're they're pretty outdated. Uh, they're sluggish. They're they're not always the most easy applications to use in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and also. Agreed. <laughs> Patient records are um, stored in these silos that, that don't interoperate very well with other systems. Um, and this was a big problem for me when I was just trying to like move from my health system to another one, just getting my records there. I had to like go into the bowels of these buildings and like get printouts and carry them physically over to another clinic. So um, as far as patient experience technologies go though, uh, if clinics uh, do have technology offerings for patients, which I think it's really important that they do. They're usually very fragmented and uh, patients have to keep track of, you know, multiple websites, multiple passwords, uh, install custom apps on their phones. I mean, really, who can keep track of all of that? Like my mom doesn't want to uh, use uh, like a patient portal that her optometrist gives her because she'll have to create a new password. She has all this anxiety about creating <laughs> a, new, a new password. I mean, can we crack that nut finally? So I think the, the good news is in the last 10 years, there's been this big explosion in um, freely usable kind of platforms as a service on the internet. Um, for example, you probably heard of companies like Stripe, which provides a platform financial for financial uh, transactions. Well, Stripe makes it relatively easy to add, you know, financial services to your custom app. Uh, the cool thing is you can stitch together the inputs and outputs of uh, all these different services in seemingly infinite ways to create new and innovative software. And all the ingredients for great patient engagement is sitting out there on the internet, just ready to be leveraged. So we're taking advantage of these offerings and we're, we're adding our own uh, fully custom twists in places. But I think the key is to display it all back to the user in really innovative ways. So this will put us in control of our own destiny. It'll put us in control of our own software. We can add features very quickly um, in response to like Robin's feedback and to the feedback and requests from our other clinicians. And we won't really be subject to like the random or uh, uh, disruptive uh, feature changes that um, some software companies cause by introducing a new major version and, you know, clinicians have to be retrained and it can, it can be problematic. So we're in control of that. Yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, you're, you're building this platform kind of as you go and kind of leveraging input from folks, but as a clinician, Robin, it sounds like being involved in a tech savvy venture like this might involve some sort of, um, you know, challenge. <laughs> so what, what are the challenges that you see as a PT for practitioners that might be looking to adopt technology or platforms like this? Is there going to be a learning curve? Like what do you, what do you see happening? Yeah, that's a great question, Rafi. And I really think new technologies can be daunting, especially if that isn't your field of expertise. So 
I really find that the platform is more straightforward to use than other things that I've used. And like Andrew's saying, you know, having different portals for different things on the patient end, the same thing happens on the clinical end and you've got these different passwords and then they're HIPAA protected and it won't let you save your password. And then you got to manually type it in and it logs you out after 15 minutes. These are different things that I've experienced and I find that less straightforward to use than the CityPT platform. And I believe most clinicians at this point have already had to incorporate technology into their practice, whether they're making those home exercise programs, using different EMR systems, using uh, patient messaging systems, dealing with regulatory compliance, of course. And uh, I really think CityPT is more user-friendly and I can talk directly to the developer. I can talk right to Andrew and see those changes pretty quickly for how I think um, on the clinician and patient end, the platform should look. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, the clinician and the patient end a little bit. I'm assuming when you're, anytime you're implementing a new, a new platform, a new, a new way of doing things, it's going to involve education on, you know, getting the clinicians on board, getting them how to do it. And then also the patient side accessing things out. It helps that it's going to be one centralized platform, but um, what steps have y'all put in place or what strategies are you, are you thinking of just to help the both setting the expectations on the patient side for what the course of care will look like and how to access the platform and then actually implementing it so that they're you know showing up to their appointments that they know what's when and all that sort of thing like what have you done to make to make sure that it's going to be as successful as possible for the patient and the clinician i mean especially for the patient the ultimate goal is that um it'll require no or very little education at all i think if we do our job right the, the workflows that we're setting up and the user interfaces we're designing should guide the patient and kind of nudge them towards behavioral changes as they go, rather than trying to educate them all up front. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of education to do, but uh, to, to enable uh, these things without a lot of education, we're making huge investments into design innovation. So the, the ability to execute on all the technical stuff is totally worthless if uh, the product is difficult to use and, and patients don't want to use it. So for every feature and screen, you know, of our custom uh, products, we're making a picture first, uh, a mock-up rather than working software. And only after we've iterated on the design and conducting what I call hallway testing, excuse me, do we go ahead and build the thing. So when I do this, you know, when we do this, not only am I drawing on my expertise as a software engineer that is that has kind of gone through these cycles a lot. I'm also drawing on my my experience as a patient um, heavily, and my experience as a project manager, as a, an interaction designer, as a as a graph designer at at times. So every feature is really scrutinized for usability and for what we call business value and for contributing to the patient experience. So regarding clinicians though, since we're just starting out, I think the number one, the number one priority ha has to be the patient since they're the customer, but that really doesn't mean that we're, you know, neglecting the experience of the clinician. Uh, I've been trying to lay the groundwork from, from day one for a great clinician experience that is streamlined and designed to minimize kind of the monotony of documentation to, to, to give clinicians an opportunity to work in creative non-clinical ways. Um, I think that could, that could be a key to, to mitigating burnout. So 
That's why I've worked in conjunction with PTs from, from the very beginning. And you know, Robin's contributions have been invaluable in this regard. She's responsible for uh, improvements that are based on her own creative solutions to problems that, that she encountered as, as a clinician. Um, and you know, this is pretty amazing that we're, we're working in this, I hate to use the word synergy, but that is kind of what's happening. You know, uh, I'm sorry, I hate that word, but it, yeah. it's, it's true. It's, it's really yeah, true. Thank, thank you, Andrew. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I know we plan to develop some clinician brand specific onboarding materials that are gonna be you know, a great reference point for common questions to help therapists become more familiar with the dashboard. And then we're also going to be doing virtual and on-site training with a therapist and potentially with Andrew as well. And then okay. you know, on the, on the patient side, um, we're setting expectations on how that course of care will look at the evaluation. And that's a big part of CityPT's vision to help patients stay with their course of care. Amen. So to help, yeah, to help <laughs> encourage patients we've made certain areas of the therapist documentation actually available for them to look at on their dashboard so that there's more clear communication on how the patient is progressing towards their goals and even what we're measuring. And the dashboard has metrics on the goals that are set by the patient with the therapist at an evaluation. And the intention there is to motivate the patients, but they're actually helping to build what their dashboard looks like which should make it a lot simpler to comprehend. So really less explanation and training on the patient side would be needed. Yeah, they're sort of helping direct or co-create the course of care, right? Right. Yeah. Well, and I know we've talked about the technology a little bit in the platform, but there's also gonna be some sort of AI component, right? So uh, when we've talked earlier, Andrew, you, you talked a little bit about kind of the access and flexibility and part of the problem of getting patients the right care at the right time and we needed sort of an immediacy effect so yeah. you don't need to share so much secrets about how the algorithms and all that work but how will kind of your vision for this ai coming soon interface work to kind of funnel patients to see the most appropriate or available clinician like how do you see that working and and um and then maybe we'll talk a little bit why why you picked ai because it, it is cool <laughs> well, yeah i mean uh I think we need to be able to kind of provide a helping hand to patients um, through the process of choosing who's going to care for them. But I want to say, ultimately, you know, with CityPT, the client is able to choose. Uh, in other products, I've seen patients book an appointment, but it, it looks to me like the patient doesn't have doesn't have any say um, over who their therapist will be up front. So, yeah, for a patient and and well, for me in my own care, having to negotiate who's gonna care for me is just yet another barrier that I would really like to eliminate because uh, it's kind of stressful. If you book with one therapist and you walk in and someone else is there and you're like, oh my God, the continuity, you know, you don't think continuity of care, but that's what's happening there. So as you say, it needs to happen very, very quickly, uh, almost immediately. So we're going to, we're going to engage with uh, clients very early on in our relationship with them and start learning about them and their and their preferences so that we can uh, make the most informed recommendations uh, when the time is right. And as the number of clinicians we have at CityPT grows, you know, we're gonna have to get more and more sophisticated about how we do these things, how we help pa patients choose, um, especially when you're talking about telehealth and patients having access to uh, geographically 
distributed clinicians. Um, depending on how popular we get and how, how, how much we grow, this could be quite a few and, and we need to help them. And we're, we're, we're working on algorithms for doing that. Um, and some of those will be a, an, a, an AI approach. Yeah. Well, and it sounds too like, um, so obviously moving more towards increased access to patients and, and it obviously provides flexibility to clinicians. Robin's kind of mentioned that being able to kind of have some flexibility in scheduling. And um, outside of that though, what other benefits are there to patients under this type of care model where you've got geographically distributed clinicians from let's say four or five different states or maybe across the country that are all kind of being connected on this platform? Yeah, so the hybrid model that City PT offers is going to help bring the patient what they need when they need it. So I believe there will be times that when, that a patient needs more than just remote care. And there are yeah. times when telehealth is going to improve their compliance because they just aren't spending time driving into the clinic and they're even getting to practice their exercises right where they plan to do them. And personally, during COVID, when opening back up for in-person treatment, I experienced that when offered either in-person or telehealth options, some people chose to stay with telehealth because they enjoyed the convenience and they found it effective. And then I also experienced, you know, having patients wanting to meet in person, of course. So for example, with that, I had a patient that just wasn't fully improving with telehealth. And while I was trying to remotely rule out lumbar pathology and, and rule out other pathologies for the cause for her hip pain, I really just I felt like I was missing something and I needed to meet in person to do a more hands-on assessment. And ultimately with her, a couple of dry needling sessions, that's what she needed to help get her on the right track. So really treatment is just so individual and it's great to be able to be adaptable with that hybrid model. And then another big perk to telehealth care is it's a great opportunity to provide your patients with symptom and uh, ergonomic education. And education is just so key in rehab success. So I find that poor daily ergonomics are the cause of someone's continued pain and discussing really simple things like sleeping posture and desk ergonomics and how you use your phone and how you lift things are huge factors that actually help fix people's pain. And this can so easily be done in the telehealth model. Yeah, no, I agree with you that. The idea of leveraging patient education to improve outcomes is something that's super exciting. Is why one of the main reasons I I love that with the constraint that telehealth places on us, right? As clinicians, like we can't touch them, so we need to find another way. And usually, oftentimes we're, we're leveraging those kind of higher value, uh, higher value services like knowledge translation and education. So that's wonderful. I want to say one quick thing to to touch on um, Robin's point about people. Uh, learning about their exercises at home. You know, I, I think we're beginning to discover ways as a result of uh, clinicians' experiences during the pandemic, um, we're beginning to learn ways that virtual PT may actually uniquely benefit patients. Um, for example, uh, Dr. Emil Berengut, who manages the PT department um, at NYU, implemented a virtual uh, care program for their entire entire student population. Uh, and a few weeks ago, I heard him on the Tele-PT podcast uh, citing home exercise compliance numbers in the 85 to 90% range oh, wow. of the virtual care program. And, uh, you know, that compares to what, around 30% yeah. in, in conventional care. So even, even I, a true believer in virtual care and in technology, found those numbers 
a little hard to believe. I mean, I, I just about fell out of my chair when I heard him, to be honest. But I, <laughs> I, followed, I followed up with him to confirm that they're accurate. And uh, kind of along the lines of what Robin was just saying is he, he speculates it may have something to do with you know, treating the patient at home in their own environment uh, with the equipment they already have on hand. And given my own experience, uh, you know, my, my therapist would teach me very precise ways to do my exercises in the clinic. Um, and I'd learn about form and I'd pay very close attention and I'd write things down. But then I'd come home and I'd attach the cheap TheraBands I was yeah. given to my doorknobs or to my door hinges. And it just, it didn't seem the same. And I, I'm, a, I'm a guy of precision. So I like things to map kind of one-to-one -one in my brain or else I feel a little uncomfortable. So I was uncertain if I was doing it correctly or not. Um, so just the idea of learning it at home with my own stuff, and my own, you know, MacGyvered up in my own way is, is great. Yeah. And that kind of, I think leads into, into some of the next little area of discussion. Like we've, we've talked about in the past, you know, the 90% problem, which is 90% of people, give or take, depending on the research, sometimes it's nine, sometimes it's 11, somewhere in that 10% of the, of the population of folks that are experiencing musculoskeletal pain won't see PT this year. Um, and I, I can think already how you're going to answer this, but how do you see city PT being able to leverage this type of care to reach those individuals? Yeah, I believe that convenience is just so key to compliance. So, I mean, what's more convenient than meeting with the clinician in your house? Yeah. I mean, having the option, right? I mean, having the option to check your exercise form, just talk to your physical therapist and modify your exercises remotely or with the mobile physical therapy option is just very beneficial for saving patients time. And the idea of saving time will hopefully help the 90% that don't typically seek care try something new and get the help that they need. And unfortunately, I think there are just common myths surrounding what physical therapists do. And people don't seek help from physical therapists because they really just don't know how we can help. So one of the goals of CityVT is that right where you go to do your bookings, we've built an informative resource for patients to learn a little bit more about what therapy can do and just some information on more common conditions. So you're not Googling these diagnoses and coming up with some scary um, yeah. <laughs> things like this. And kind of, kind of teasing apart Robin's response there. I just want to say, I'm hearing two major things here that we need to do that we need to do to even dream of reaching the 90% of folks that don't see a PT and you know, the first we talked about is eliminating, eliminating those barriers to access uh, to, you know, improving the logistics. We have to make it fast and easy. Um, and even before COVID, uh, I think consumer expectations were changing and digital healthcare was taking root and COVID just injected all that with steroids. Uh, I think in the coming years, new telepresence and augmented reality and VR technologies are going to bring the care even closer to the patient. Uh, and I think more and more healthcare is gonna happen in our own homes, uh, not in hospitals or clinics as much, um, or doctor's offices. We got remote patient monitoring technologies that are emerging. So the second major thing though, that Robin touched on was these myths, right? These misunderstandings of what PTs even do. And I gotta say, why wouldn't people be confused by this? How do you, I can't even succinctly explain to someone in a way that they will really internalize and remember 
and be able to re repeat back to me an hour later. The difference between a massage therapist or a PT or an OT or you know an orthopedic doctor, it's just a huge marketing problem to reach the other 90% because there's just so much overlap in the language we use to describe these different uh, you know, ways of treating. So we're, we're almost ready to launch a product that we will be connecting with audiences uh, that have interests uh, related to MSK pain. Um, eventually, I think we'll stop using the name physical therapy and, and just start over. I've, I've given this serious thought, but the problem is as a consumer-oriented company, I think we'll just go, go broke trying to explain what we do. So some of the B2B uh, digital MSK companies have pulled this off, I think, uh, with pretty great success. So it's, it's certainly somewhere to look for inspiration. Yeah, yeah. And you've mentioned kind of at the beginning, we'll circle back to it, that y'all y'all have decided to go um, non-insurance based at first. It's going to be private pay. Andrew, what, what was the reason for making that decision? Was it just strictly regulatory burden and credentialing? Or was there something specific about it that made you think like, this is the way we're going to go? Well, from, my, from where I'm sitting, it just seems like... Um, in some respects, the insurance news is going to maybe keep getting tighter and tighter. And I just fear that it's going to, you know, so many therapists will exit, the, the reimbursement rates will be cut to the point that it kills the industry. Um, at, at least it'll look very different than it does now. And I don't really want to play the volume game or increase the productivity requirements of the therapist. I want us to be able to really focus um, in earnest on providing the most personalized care possible and you know, learn, have the time to learn how to do that um, in a way that isn't constrained by all the rules and regulations of insurance companies, which I think by and large can reduce overall quality of care. Uh, second, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of preventive and proactive care. I think this is really, really important to me. And within the current insurance-based business models, physical therapy really plays no role in preventive care. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, PTs exist the lowest end of the food chain, uh, despite being experts in the conditions that arguably affect the greatest number of Americans. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> it's really bizarre. So back pain, you know, extremely, extremely common uh, cause of visit to the doctor. Well, we get unnecessary tests and, and failed surgeries and, um, you know, no, not usually effective care that treats the actual problem. So I really want to be able to, to attack this problem uh, in a holistic way. And I don't know, you know, if we get distracted with uh, all the, the insurance uh, process burden, if we'll be able to actually do that. Yeah. Robin, as a, as a clinician working in this type of environment, do you see, is there a difference between patients that you've treated on kind of the standard insurance-based clinic model versus this uh, private pay out of network model? Are they, are they more engaged? Is there a difference in engagement or their um, level of participation in, in their care? Yeah, I certainly find that patients are more engaged when they have more financial responsibility. And they're more likely to participate in their care plan and learn appropriate methods to manage their own symptoms. And to touch on again, like people with busy lives appreciate the option to meet remotely or to have the therapist come to their house. So that really helps them to stay with their care plan 
and to do the care plan that works best for them that's not regulated by you know a certain number of visits or um, you know expiration of those visits yeah yeah and i think that kind of leads into obviously you've both kind of talked about some of the barriers where where insurance might actually be a barrier to care right authorizing visits limiting the you know the amount of expenditure spent on a certain diagnosis or service have y'all had any pushback on the idea of being non-participating providers with any big big players you know like i know when i was um buying a, a pt practice and i was kind of picking and choosing which which insurance providers we were not gonna be a part of and i was strictly making it like in a financial decision i had people say like oh you really need to be in you know with xyz insurance company or it's going to really kill your business or whatever have y'all had any pushback in that regard like people trying to get you in network with certain people no not not in that way but we have experienced it in i think places that we didn't expect and we kind of pre-screened to avoid this very thing uh, <laughs> For example, we, we were in talks with uh, leadership of a potential business partner, and one of the reps was uh, incredulous. I mean, they're, they were, I'll say, almost resentful of the idea of us being out of network, you know, only taking self-pay. It, it was like they thought we were trying to scam them or something. Yeah. They, they did, they'd never heard of this model. So I, I think our prices are very competitive. and. This, this company caters to a pretty high-end market. So we were, we were definitely surprised. Um, but on the other hand, there, there have been clients that ask what our fees are and have no problem with it. Um, or you know, they'll ask about their flexible spending or health savings accounts. So I think as healthcare insurance deductibles continue to rise, um, more and more people hopefully are going to take advantage of these programs and will be paying out of pocket. Um, and that, that'll become more commonplace, which uh, my hope is that they'll start to like really dig down and do the math on the total cost of care. So in my whole personal experiences, experience I discussed at the very beginning, you know, I, I mentioned multiple specialist uh, uh, appointments, right, at the, at the tune of $80 each. And then there's the travel time and the delays and actually the the reduction in, in the like my, my, my overall outcomes. So if yeah. you do the math on that, it's just it's not that expensive to just go straight to someone that you know can do the job and, and reduce the the hoops. So generally speaking, yeah, even even just the expensive imaging. Um, if you see the therapist before you even get yeah. an MRI, you know, it saves so much money. Yeah. So I, I just hope people shift their focus. Uh, more to long-term value and not just finding the cheapest possible service. Yeah. I think a lot of the clients that I work with too are kind of in that realm too, where they're leaving insurance models and kind of figuring out how they're going to talk to patients. And I'm always, I'm always hammering it. Like if you do the value discussion with patients, like you can see that it's worth it. And even evidence out there, like scientific research or clinical research in this area does show that they're are lower lengths of stay or, you know, courses of, of treatment and physical therapy when it's direct to consumer versus insurance based, you know? So, um, I definitely agree. Like or even cash pay, there's a lot of articles that, yeah. that show how cash pay can be cheaper overall. Um, yeah. It's wonderful. So, um, yeah. speaking of outcomes and measures and values, like how, how does city PT plan to measure and track that for both <laughs> patients and clinicians and, Maybe eventually down the line, if you're going to move into that world, uh, payers and the like. 
Yeah, well, um, for, I just want to make sure everyone's on the same page um, when it comes to you know what outcomes are, because oh, yeah. um, there's a couple of different perspectives I want to make sure that uh, I, I recognize here. And you know, outcomes are measurable changes in in quality of life or some kind of function that are attributable to uh, an intervention. So this this definition, you know, includes both objective and subjective measurements. Um, and clinicians can collect outcomes data that's both objective and subjective, uh, but that really only tells one side of the story. And there's also patient reported outcomes, um, which monitor patient symptoms through periodic questionnaires. And I, I think it's just critically important to capture the patient's perspective on this uh, to figure out really how much they value um, the service they're getting and um, how, how good they, they think that they're doing. I mean, if you have uh, functional uh, outcomes that look great, but the person's miserable and um, is, is just wanting to go somewhere else, then what good is it? <clears throat> so I, uh, patient reported outcomes is an area that I've worked in uh, for years uh, at the, the Leinberger Comprehensive Cancer Center in Chapel Hill uh, at UNC. So uh, patient reported outcomes tracking and outcomes in general are really near and dear to my heart. So all types of outcomes are gonna play a really central role to our business model and to our patient engagement strategy. Um, for example, they're front and center on our dashboard as, as Robin has described. And <clears throat> we'll be using very standard uh, clinically validated outcomes measures, uh, but we've also got products in the pipeline that I think are gonna be true innovations in this area. And um, I'm, I'm excited to eventually share them with you all. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I think it'll be really nice on the patient end to be able to see on a line graph where they are, where they started. And that's just gonna be so helpful because in a typical model, that's not really something that a patient can see in that format. Yeah, you might see it when uh, at a reassessment or a reeval or something like that. That's about it. Um, right. Well, we're we're getting near the the end here, so I'll, we'll start with Andrew and then then round out with Robin. Um, the famous last question. So, if there were kind of one or two main points that you would want the listener to walk away with, Andrew, first, uh, what would they be? Oh, one or two points. That's I can okay, one or two. So CityPT <laughs> has really emerged organically to solve you know, the biggest problems in our industry. Um, just to make sure you understand, we're an entirely bootstrapped company. There's no venture capital yet. There's no angel investments yet, but we're pretty pure in that regard. And we've sprung to life uh, as a result of a patient advocate, me, uh, and the passion of clinicians like Robin that really wanna change healthcare. So we're a collaboration between clinicians and in-house software engineers and designers uh, taking matters into our own hands to really affect change. Great. What about you, Robin? So I, I feel like technology is definitely coming in the healthcare world. So uh, to clinicians who may be listening, uh, if you want to join the CityPT team, we're definitely looking for um, innovative, flexible, and creative therapists and healthcare workers who want to join our team. And we plan to hopefully eventually grow to be into a more multidisciplinary model. And to patients that want to find the root cause of their symptoms and be offered the convenience of a hybrid model that's adapted to their specific goals 
we're looking forward to hearing from you and, and helping you get back to doing what you care about. And I'm really excited to see the digital health world growing and to be a part of providing hybrid physical therapy treatment in North Carolina. Yeah, that's awesome. And for those that might be in the area that want to find you, Andrew, wh where's, what's y'all's website? Where can, where can people learn more about CityPT? It's at www.citypt.com. All right. And we'll link to that in show notes. Uh, Robin, Andrew, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, Robin. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Robin and Andrew from City PT. After listening through again during the editing process, it makes me um, think of and remember the episode that we did with Include Health and talking about the right care at the right time, at the right place, in the right format or delivered via the right uh, platform <laughs> for a given patient at a given time. It seems that that really seems to be the nut that needs to be cracked, so to speak, for, for healthcare in general, not just physical and occupational therapy, but for any type of, of healthcare service, primarily in, in, the specialties, in the specialties too. A lot of times specialty clinics are booked way out. It's difficult. It might be inconvenient to get services at the right time, but leveraging a platform like uh, like what CityPT's got in the works um, seems like one of the at least an answer to to that um, to that problem there. If that you could funnel patients into the right clinician that's available then and there within a short amount of time, it definitely decreases that barrier to somebody receiving services. So, anyways, um, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I hope it it makes you think a little bit differently about how you and your own practice are going to be. Uh, delivering services in the future, what ways you might innovate or implement some of these technologies because it's not doesn't need to be just one or two major players, right? The the reality is that hybrid healthcare is coming to us as an industry and we need to learn and think now about how we're going to implement it and and put it in place so that when the time comes that it becomes standard care, um, we're not left kind of um, you want, looking at an analog watch, wondering why everybody's using digital, right? So um, that's all I've got for today. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. Helps people find the show. Um, you can head on over to www.betteroutcomes.show um, where you can sign up there and we'll shoot you over an email with the, uh, the show notes and the link to the episodes. Whenever we drop a new episode, we drop them every other Wednesday. Every now and then there'll be a bonus episode thrown in in the off weeks. And if you run or manage a healthcare clinic or organization and you're looking for a way to attract, acquire, engage, and retain more patients so that you can increase your bottom line while both delivering higher levels of patient satisfaction and better clinical outcomes, then I'd encourage you to head on over to Rehab U Practice Solutions and check out the Ultimate Patient Experience Blueprint where we will walk you through our four-step process to help you both market, message that expertise that you have, that clinical expertise, and then deliver it in a way that both builds value for your patients, for your clients, for your business, um, for all the stakeholders involved, and also deliver unmatched patient satisfaction. You can learn more about that at www.rehabupracticesolutions.com slash UPE for ultimate patient experience. That's rehab, the letter U, practice solutions.com slash UPE. 
Until the next time, be safe, be healthy. I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.